All right, eight minutes after nine is the time, and really we'd love to take your calls as we have this conversation. Let me start off with Nomfunda Mokhapi, uh, and uh, of course, uh, Executive Director at the Center for Violence and Reconciliation. Nomfundo, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me, Opie. Much appreciated. And Hendrik Makaneta, thank you for joining us uh, at this time. Much appreciated, sir. Thank you very much, much appreciated. Let me start with Nomfundo. Nomfundo, you are suggesting that uh, the violence that we are experiencing in our schools at the moment is nothing more than a manifestation of a greater problem, a greater societal problem. Uh, unpack that for us. Yeah, so for us, it is a representation of a bigger crisis uh, in our society, which is localized within the schools. And I'll talk about four levels of crisis that we have found uh, in the work that we've been doing in communities for the past 30 years. Yeah. The, the, the first one for us is what we call a parent vacuum or a family crisis. So what needs to happen is that when children leave school, they need to go to homes and families that can be able to contain them. But what we're finding is that if the, usually there is just a big vacuum of parenting, but if the parents are there, they themselves are overstretched. They've got their own emotional issues that they haven't dealt with. Secondly, we have a teacher crisis. So what you would expect is that if a child is having a challenge at home, at least they will go to teachers who have the capacity to contain them at a psychological level. However, most of our teachers are themselves spent out. They report that they feel unsafe in the school. They are actually scared of the students and they feel unprotected. And there's a bigger crisis that we are seeing in communities where there is high levels of violence in the communities. And what we are finding from our work is that the border between the communities and the school is very porous. So what happens in the communities is spills back into the community and vice versa. So we cannot be able to afford to just have a school-focused intervention if we want to create safety. It has to be a comprehensive intervention. Mm. Um, you spoke of four. You seem to have uh, talked about three. Oh, sorry. The other one is uh, the service providers. Yes. So uh, what we would expect is that the school should be able to have service providers who have the capacity to provide psychosocial support to the students. However, what we are finding, especially in schools that are previously disadvantaged, you don't have the dedicated social workers or psychologists, unlike schools that were previously advantaged, where they do have a dedicated psychologist or social worker available to provide services. So that is a big challenge for us. I think even the Minister of Education in Housing was already contesting the, the law where if students are found to be problematic, when they get exposed by one school, then they are moved to the next school. But there is no psychosocial intervention. Yeah to support the students. So there is a crisis of service provision to support the students that are identified to actually have problems. Well, let me bring Hendrik into the conversation. Hendrik Makaneta is education activist and deputy person uh, of the Education for Justice Foundation. Hendrik, Nomfundo is pointing to a greater societal problem that is manifesting itself in our schools. We've had the stabbing uh, that we were talking about at the Forest Hill School, and there's been many other situations that have uh, been alarming and have grown in in boldness and frequency. But also, we've been having 
a growth in just general crime at our schools. And I've just uh, um, made uh, reference to what happened today where two armed men entered the premises of a Seapoint High School and assaulted an educator with a gun and made off with 50 cell phones. It appears, based on what we're looking at, that perhaps Numfundo's analysis of the problem is spot on, that it isn't just a matter that has to do with what's happening in the school itself, but it is a manifestation of problems that are uh, that are prevalent in, in the general communities that those schools are finding themselves. Do you agree, Hendrik? Yes, indeed. I fully agree with uh, Numfundo, uh, because... Uh, it is obvious that uh, learners are also members of the community before they are learners, which means that uh, whatever they bring into school, be it uh, drugs or violent behavior, they learn these things in the in the communities. And of course, we really are concerned about the recent developments, uh, not only in Seapoint, but also throughout the country. We're concerned about the number of lives that have already been lost uh, you know, as a result of violence within the school premises, but also outside uh, school premises. And uh, it is for this reason that we believe that uh, government cannot be a spectator. Government cannot fold its arms and watch when these things happen. We believe that, uh, you know, when government uh, amended some of the policies in the year 1995 within the terrain of education, you know, they did not come up with any measures to make sure that, uh, you know, schools are safe. Uh, they've left the safety issue to teachers. Don Fundo has already indicated that uh, teachers are disempowered as well. Mm. And, you know, they don't do anything. But we think that government has got a duty in terms of the Constitution to protect uh, the lives of all uh, citizens in the, in the country. And, of course... Uh, it remains their duty to make sure that uh, schools are safe and that uh, learners and teachers are safe at school level, something which is not well coordinated as we speak. Yeah. I'm almost sure, uh, Brahendrik, that uh, if uh, the people at the Department of uh, Basic Education here in Gauteng are listening to this conversation, they'd say, no, but Hendrik is is incorrect. I mean, we've even um, uh, recalled our ace MEC, Mr. Panyaza Lisufi, who was supposed to be the MEC for finance in this province, back to uh, that portfolio because he is doing such a lot uh, with regards to the school issue, the safety issue, and all other related matters. Uh, so what exactly would you like to see government do by way of policy, but more uh, importantly, by way of practical action to quell this situation of security at schools and the esca- escalating violence that we're seeing? Let me uh, firstly acknowledge the good work that uh, MC Panizabasuk is doing in Gauteng. We acknowledge that particularly in ensuring that uh, quality education, but also, you know, issues of in those uh, schools that were uh, predominantly uh, for, for white kids. We will appreciate that. But my point is that uh, when it comes to safety... Yo, just a little reminder. So just help me out, out with that. You're saying that most of his interventions have been focused on schools that could be considered Model C schools and not so much in schools that are considered township schools or rural schools where mostly black people are? 
No, no, I'm, I'm saying that we appreciate the effort that he has taken to open the doors of learning. Yes. Especially in those, in those schools that uh, were historically were meant for. Okay, for, All right. for, okay, okay, okay. We appreciate that. Yes. But our major concern is with the safety, the general safety of learners in all the schools, not only learners, but also teachers. Yes. If you look at, uh, for example, uh, security guards who uh, are at the gates of most of the schools, not only in Houghton, but throughout the country, most of them are not well trained mm. to handle issues of uh, indiscipline. They are not well trained to keep our learners and teachers safe. I can give you a side an example. Uh, you can go to any school. I've been to a school uh, recently uh, where by I went in, you know, the young statue, there's nothing like that. You know, the ladies that are there, some of them even find it very difficult to just open the gate. And I'm saying that most of them have been employed as a result of trying to alleviate poverty uh, within the community to make sure that people are employed, which is something that is good as well. But I'm just saying, uh, at some point, we need to really prioritize uh, safety to make sure that people who work, who are assigned with uh, that task, must be the relevant people who are trained. You know, yeah. subs must be integrated. You know, they must be trained uh, by subs if possible to make sure that, you know, they've got the necessary capacity to keep our schools uh, safe. Let me... Uh invite the listener in this conversation 011-883-0702 do you agree with the center for violence and reconciliation when they say that the issue of violence at our schools and safety related issues at our schools particularly has reached crisis point one two what do you make of the reasons that have been put forward by both my guests Henrik makaneta and nomfundo mohapi as to why this is the case um i was speaking to Mfundi, see the other day, Nomfundo Mohapi, who said uh, it is because the Lord has been taken out of our schools. We're not praying anymore, and uh, that's why we are having a situation uh, where we are not, um, we can't contain uh, our our virulent young. Uh, youngsters at this point of their lives. It's because we have uh, abandoned religious studies and uh, we've kicked out religion out of our schools, Nomfundo. What we find, Aubrey, is that there is a crisis of discipline in the school. That whilst we've changed our laws and we said that teachers should find alternative ways, and rightfully so, because historically teachers felt that the only way to discipline students was to hit them. But what has happened is that most of them feel that there hasn't been sufficient teaching on what those alternative ways of disciplining students. We live in a society that seems to only hear and understand language, and we have uh, violence. And we haven't learned to create a mind shift and an understanding that you can actually be able to bring discipline and engage with young people without having to be violent. So some of these teachers, when we engage with them in the school, they say that they literally feel paralyzed. They, they, they time out, they don't know what else to do besides just using violence. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But what is also, I think, important is that the, the responsibility of developing 
students, whether it's morally or through discipline, cannot just only be the responsibilities of the teachers. Yes. So when you go to these schools, one of the biggest challenges that the principals complain about is the involvement of parents. So when most of the time the public discourse around parents is usually to just say, oh, parents must be involved. But when we talk to the parents, some of them say that if you look at just how they are, especially those in the township, they wake up early in the morning to go to work. They have to use taxes by the time, by the time they come home. It's actually very late. So we have to begin to design, to design out-of-school programs that consider this parental vacuum. So it cannot just only be the Department of Education only that is responsible. There has to be partnerships between the Department of Education, the Department of Community Safety, the Department of Social Development, the Department of Health. There has to be a multidisciplinary approach approach to schools. As long as we think that school safety is only the responsibility of the Department of Education, we are going to have discussions like this where we feel that it is only the the ministry of education that is supposed to drive the safety. You can you can try and insulate schools as much as you can and, and have all the systems in schools to try and protect the students. And with the recent incident that has happened now, the student was um, the murder actually happened just outside the school premises. Communities and the schools have to partner together. Henrik, some have also looked to the policy of the condoning of um pupils, learners. In other words, a child will not have performed very well academically in a particular standard, but perhaps because of his age, her, um, she is, he or her age is then promoted to the next standard uh, because they're afraid that this person is getting too old to be in the school system and they've got to sort of get them through. And some people have argued that because of that, that reality, uh, we have people in schools that are too old to be there, and uh, that's why you sometimes see these spats, not only between uh, teachers and um, and uh, pupils who are perhaps of age, yeah, uh, that shouldn't be shouldn't be at schools, but also the, the rising of the gang sort of culture in schools led by people who shouldn't be at schools anymore. What what do you make of that argument? Yes, indeed. Uh, you, you are correct. And, you know, we have in the past we called on government to you know to review their policy of progression because, of course, there are learners who do not perform well in school, and because of that policy, which uh, seeks to avoid uh, dropout rates, the minister uh, you know came up with that policy, and it's true that you know. Oh, Hendrik, I'm losing Hendrik there. All right, I'm going to be taking some calls on this matter. What do you attribute the issue of a decline in safety at our schools, the increase in violence, not just the violence, but the intensity of the violence, the boldness of the violence that we are beginning to see in schools and how it is intersectional and intersectoral? Give me a call. We're seeing um, teachers fighting with with uh, with students, students fighting with teachers, uh, teachers fighting with teachers, children fighting with children. What's going on? I'd like to take your calls and what can be done to try and uh, reverse this reality? Give me a call. Balisa is in Bramley. Hi, Balisa. Hi, Pastor. Hi, Pastor. Um, I'm 
Yeah, hi, go for it, Palisa. Look, look, Aubrey. You know, firstly, I think our government has just completely, the, the education department has let us down completely. Our, our kids from these uh, local schools, you know, they have nothing to do. Like, if there is just no school, there is no school. Yep. It's after school, they literally hang around at 2 o'clock, at half past 2, they're hanging around the street. Secondly, they come to school, they are so late. There is no sense of, I'm late, you know what I mean? Yep. So, they, they, there's just no, the kids are not being given the excitement of getting to school. They go there, they, they, they sit behind the desk, even if I can't cope with, you know, this formal, uh, this kind of education, I'm forced to be there. There are no technicals for those kids that battled like we used to when we went to school, you know. So I think that kids are just so frustrated. Secondly, there's lawlessness. Those la- those ladies and guys that are at the gates, they're not securities. They're people that are sitting there watching the gate, but they do literally nothing because those kids are so disrespectful. You know, I work at a lot of schools I visit them. I go to these previously white-only schools. And you see, because of the professional security at the gate, the discipline is completely different. When a child walks out of the gate, they need to have a paper that says you are let out of the Mm -hmm. school because of one, two, three. There is an adult picking you up. You go to a a township school, a child walks out of the school. Nobody asks questions. Nobody says anything. There is no discipline. There is no structure. And you can't blame the teachers because the teachers are there to teach. However, they are overwhelmed by all these kind of kids. And age has nothing to do with discipline. These kids from grade eight, they're out of control. The other day I picked up a 21-year-old. She's in metric. You know, we had a chat with that girl. She was late. She said, oh, thank you for picking me up. She was frustrated because she was late. And we had a chat. You know, you can see there are older kids that want to learn. They're behind because they battled. However, you know, it's not because they they, 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 they disrespectful and all of that. They battled. So uh, they need to go back to the to the way things were, bring back these technical colleges for those kids that are battling to do the, the formal education and do the handwork. You know, but listen, let me stop you. Way. Let me stop. Let me stop you there. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. On the WhatsApp line, uh, Monica says, "Hi, Aubrey. If everything has to be taught at school, what about the parents?" Alles is net schoolen. Wat van die oors? Groete from Monica. Um, Nomfulo, I must ask this question. Do we have a a fundamental philosophy as to why we have schools? In other words, and that might sound like a a facetious question, Aubrey, we we have schools so that we can educate our children. But have we got a clear understanding of what we mean as a society when we say (coughs) we want to educate our children? In other words... Uh, is there a value system that we want to espouse that is going to not only give us the tools, as in schools and teachers, but also a, 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 a an ethical framework that is going to facilitate that? Nomfundo? That's a very important question. And one of the things we've been talking about is CSER just in relation to um, re-engineering a different South Africa, we have been saying that we have a serious issue of a social contract as a country of understanding generally what is our value, where are we going? Because when the social contract is clear, then we stop pointing finger. Because currently it's really a pointing finger game. The teachers are blaming the parents, the parents are blaming the teachers. Yeah. 
the, the parents are blaming the security, the security is blaming the Department of Education, the Department of Education is blaming social development. And there is no sense of saying, but what, what is the vision that keeps us together? What is our social contact yep. around education? Because when you really have an appreciation of that, then you begin to understand, for example, your previous caller mentioned after school. As far as the department is concerned, after school is no longer their responsibility. Mm. But when we begin to understand that education is not just located in the school, it starts from the time a child is born up until they go to school. And these kids move in the hands of different people. They move from the hands of the teacher to sometimes the social worker, to the parents, to the church. The important thing is how do the community itself begin to work together? Because you see, the reality is that for a child, they don't have a compartmentalized compartmentalized experience. So they say, okay, now I'm um, Tabo the scholar, I am Tabo the student at home. It is an integrated experience, but the way in which we approach them is very fragmented. It is exactly because we do not have a social contract that we have, we understand when it comes to education. Prahendrik, what, what, what to do now? I mean, uh, the the problem seems to be bigger than any one of the components of what makes up a society, a community, a, a schooling uh, system. Uh, what? How do we bring about the kind of of social contract and integration that uh, Mumfundo is talking about so that we can sustainably um, sustainably reverse the effects of a what seems to be a broken society that manifests itself with the violence and the lack of security at our schools. Yeah, I, I, the, it is very clear to be clear at this point that the Department of Basic Education alone be able to have this uh, crisis that we are facing. For this, but I believe that uh, you know, we need a well-coordinated effort. For example, uh, we suggest that uh, the Basic Education Minister should establish you know, an education uh, a forum, which will consist of a wide range of stakeholders, be it your unions, uh, student organizations, uh, you know, community organizations, as well as, uh, you know, the security cluster, yeah. to sit down and, and look at the various uh, challenges that are faced by the terrain of education. Mm. And I believe that if we can apply our minds jointly, we will be able to find ways and means of ensuring that at the end of the day, uh, the education that we seek for an African child is that of uh, quality, yeah. which can be able to prepare the child for, so that the child, uh, the children themselves can be able to create a, a better future sure. for themselves. Hendrik Makanet, I want to thank you very much sir, for joining us in this discussion. Uh, much appreciated. Thank you very much All indeed. Right. Hendrik Maganeta is education activist and deputy chairperson uh, at the Education for Social Justice. Mfundo, your final word on this particular matter. Yeah, I think just to add in some of the solutions, I think uh, definitely the idea of an education forum is great. One of the things that we have done in CSU is actually to work with the out-of-school youth, youth as change agents within the school and as mentors 
and that seems to have worked really well. We have also found that in schools where you've got TA principals that are supported and that are really enthusiastic about creating change, when we've had interventions of preventing school violence, the impact has actually been higher. And finally, what we found was if you strengthen the relationship between the police, we used to have this thing called Adopted Corp a few decades ago, where there is a closer relationship between a specific cop and the school. That also assists in beginning to prevent violence. So I think there's already been some things that we've done in the past that have worked. So we need to go back to the drawing board and see how we reintroduce this again. And finally, the importance of having social workers and psychologists. I don't think that has been sufficiently engaged with as a topic in terms of Executive Director at the Center for Violence and Reconciliation, thank you very much for your contribution. Thank you.